Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your co-host, J.W. McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new work from our free online publication, Etched Onyx. Please join me and co-host Melissa Collings after the reading when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. The Story Discovery Podcast is sponsored by Scrivener. I've been using Scrivener since 2014, and I never looked back. It's an amazing tool for writers, and then it lets you build research in the same document that you're doing your work. You can put in images and PDFs. You can organize your work using the corkboard view. You can set goals. You can export it to multiple formats, including ebook and manuscript. There's really nothing Scrivener can't do in the writing universe, and I highly recommend it, which is why I'm so pleased that they're a sponsor. If you'd like to check them out, you can follow the link from our website or just type Scrivener into your search engine. Our listeners get a 20% discount by using the coupon code STORYDISCOVERY at checkout. If you're a writer and you haven't tried Scrivener, I highly recommend it. Give Scrivener a try. You won't regret it. This podcast and all related materials are a production of Onyx Publications. All works, stories, and poems are copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Hey, listeners. We are so excited to let you know that the next several shows we'll be talking with the winners of our winter edition contest. Melissa and I would first like to thank our guest judges, Becky Hinshaw and Christopher Clancy, for their tireless work in the difficult task of selecting the top stories and poems. We would also like to thank each writer and poet who submitted their works for consideration in our first ever contest. We know writing and submitting can be a daunting experience, and we appreciate the opportunity to read your work. We wish all of you a prolific 2022. On today's show, we're talking with our second place winner, Kimberly Thornton, who wrote Red-Tailed Hawks and Other Poems, narrated by Melissa Collings. Settle in and enjoy. A Collection of Poems by Kimberly Thornton Red-Tailed Hawks We make slow circles of conversation until finally I stretch out my hand to cover your mouth. I softly pull you close, watch you hover over me, like the red-tailed hawk soaring clear sonora skies. Your lips, a gentle peck, or its hesitation I sense. Something you once said about accidentally ruining me. I don't care. Sharpen your talons. Swoop down on your prey. Alight onto my neck, onto the L shape. It makes with my shoulders and wingspan. I know what's next, and then what's next, as our breath takes flight. Your weight on me, and I know the burdens you bear, more intimately than even this. I know the endings, the solitary days. The quiet perch where you've waited. I'm still learning stories about cities where you've landed, loved others. But who knew the desire to understand turned bodies to magnets 
made them sky dance. My fingers feather through your thick, dark curls. Pull your face closer to my plumage. Two as one, a slow, controlled dive. The descent into silence. Until a small song escapes. Every sign of humanity disappears. Dead Squirrel Guzzle Trigger warning. More than one dead animal is mentioned within this poem. You've been warned. I've seen mangled animal bodies on the side of the road before. Once walking to school, the black. Cat tossed near the storm drain. Eyes wide, mandible broken in half. Roadkill. I was 23 when I almost hit a little white dog walking in the road. So small her instincts were to lie down. Let my car pass over her body. In the rear view, I saw her huddled like roadkill. On the blacktop for a moment. No other car on the road. Then she shook her body and trotted away. Like it was nothing. I heard a scream being pulled from my throat. I can't live with myself. If I hurt any furred or feathered creature. It's older than the kindness inherited from my father. Some code for mother in me. Our second family dog. I watched closely as his small chest slowed. With his last breath after the injection of whatever liquid poison the veterinarian needs to put a beloved pet down. My hand on his side, his suffering at an end, my face wet, his body still warm. There's things you keep with you. Carry them throughout your days without even trying to. But there's a difference between what should be kept alive and what should stay truly dead. One morning walk filled me with hymns of mockingbirds, house sparrows, then a chorus of metal, and concrete destroyed by machine. I imagined it being tossed aside like roadkill. Down North Treat Avenue, next to Himmel Park, is where I saw, no, where I smelled the squirrel, ghostly, raw, wild like how abandoned mesquite and creosote grow, like construction released death from the sewers. The pile of detritus waited in the road for a few yards ahead and could have been anything, not a desert dweller's unburied grave. I was deceived by sight, a tree branch or Ocotillo's dead arm. Fallen and twisted, misshapen by monsoon winds, that moment of confusion between what you see and what you sense. My favorite painting at the Tucson Museum of Art has elements of death. A forest torched, stumps stand witness to wolves, elk, squirrel, hawk, owl, barn swallow, falcon, and hundreds more colorful birds and creatures fleeing the scene of destruction. I cannot identify many who swarm the sky, but I'm the careful observer 
noticing details. The weasels who look like charred tree stumps. Their black button eyes stare back at the viewer. Weasels eat squirrels. The smell had a hand which reached into my nostrils. I stopped breathing. The animal in me wanted to shake and run, tail between my legs. The urge was so great I had to hold my body in its place. Empty sockets peered at me, its body doll-like, skin unzipped. Like the duffel bag I packed for this trip, I could see inside, but the contents were not mine. Neat lines of bones gave shelter to the feast. Ants and beetles and maggots frenzied in darkness. I came to visit the museum, not the upside-down decaying exhibit on a clear morning, but I could not look away. I've never had anything possess my mind, been this intimate with roadkill. Somehow dragging its heaping body closer and crawling into my mind to burrow a temporary womb. And then I choicelessly carried its butchered corpse through the day, bereaved. Like it was my burden to rebirth it somewhere hallowed, bury it and leave, never looking back. Except I always look back. I am the poet, unable to refuse the funeral song, the one who cannot ignore death on the side of the road. Mom, I have been sleepless, felt alone, while someone breathes a peaceful sleep beside me. The most faithful lovers always say they understand, but do they really? I guess I have always felt this, in some way but different. This sleeplessness I know from childhood. Something I inherited from you, pointed at it almost with delight. I never told you how I liked lying awake and listening to the sound of our sleeping home, waiting until I'd hear a door softly close, your footsteps down the hall. How you were so quiet but didn't need to be. At the sound of you patiently moving through the house, I became a boat in view of shore, anchored in night's harbor. Your distant presence made the dark feel safe enough to let the watery dreams finally pull me under. I am like you in so many ways, and as I get older I see more and more of you in my eyes. On the bridge of my nose, the pull of my smile, the laugh loud and real. When I wear the wine-red lipstick and see you, looking at me for a moment in the mirror, I think back to when my hair turned golden, from days playing in the sun, how anxious and angry I was, wanting your attention, but reaching for everything. How could I have ever understood what it is a mother goes through, of everything one has labored for. My teenaged brain, a low-lit gallery space, nothing on display to analyze or ponder. And yet my body fooled everyone into believing I was grown enough to know better. 
It seems everyone forgets that even when we're older, we cannot see well without light. Now, most nights, lying in the dark, while streetlights leak in from the cracks between curtains, I think of you. Maybe I'm waiting for you again. I wonder if this sleepless ache is the same as yours when you lost your mother. This type of inheritance. It is your empty place at the table. The phone calls I do not receive. The conversations I wish I could have. The advice I need. I am angry now in different ways. Grown enough to know I can never repay you. I know better, want more, of what I can never have. I have asked so many. At what age do we stop missing our mothers? And they all say the same, like an honest and heartbroken choir. There is no time when we stop. In Sedona, there is comfort in being surrounded by matriarchal mountains, terracotta-kissed rock, resemble the ancient windswept palace, some cave entrances, are doorways, some are thresholds to untouched wombs, others are deep, dark, hungry places. Steady, naked feet grounded to the hollow of land. Silence glides over inches of my bare skin. Unpolished nails, dark wave of hair. On this day, I hold new information in my limbs. A direct line of mother's ends and begins with me. Desire to die out as her echo slowly wanes, settles into shadow like a sinking ship below the cool surface. How do I resume tradition as a daughter alone, without a mother's strong shoulders? Dark clouds paint shadows on peaks and creep over the valley, her body, strapped to the gurney, carried to hospice. How wrong it felt to let them take her, after the storms, creosote released their aroma. I lived in the Sonora long enough to know rain poured nights, birth clean mornings. Maybe I should welcome a flood. The newness of any absence is a slow lightning, bleeding into sand, burning grains to glass, deep in the other world below. I've dug into the reddish earth many times and have learned how darkness knows us all so well, yet we know nothing of it. It's hard to believe what is hidden. It's hard to remember what is important when you can't hold it every day and when you hold it too much. Hollow as bird bones, mellow winds move me. Somehow, my heart continues. I wonder if it knows that hers doesn't, too. In my twenties, I learned heartache serves a purpose. Leaving a cave empty, universal deep, 
I'm at its mouth waiting every morning to be swallowed. Wine. It is blood, mineral pulled from earth, ancient vine, juice of the grape, weather, time, plum gold liquid, poured from the bottle into my polished glass. I reach for it like I've reached for you, thirsty and curious, kind and delighted. I inhale red fruit and roses flower. The room softens, gains confidence, lips cherried, my pupils expand, limbs loosen, and you look lovelier after each sip. You've just listened to a collection of poems by Kimberly Thornton. Welcome to the post-story portion of the podcast. I'm your co-host, Melissa, here with JW. Hello. We've got Kimberly on the show today to discuss this poetry collection and also to get to know the mind behind this work. Kimberly is the second place prize winner in Onyx's Winter Edition contest. Welcome and congratulations, Kimberly. Hi, thank you. We're excited to have you on the show today. Kimberly has a degree in sociology, and her work has been featured in several publications to date. She also enjoys conversations about symbolism over coffee and donuts. So let's find out more. Who is Kimberly Thornton? Thank you. Um, Well, a little bit about me. Uh, I work in education, and as you mentioned, I have a degree in sociology. Um, But I studied a lot of other things, too like psychology and animals and plants and human biology. Um, I, I'm just a very curious person, um, I, I, sh- I should say. Uh, I've always liked learning. And I've been connected to poetry in some way for almost all my life, but I've only started taking it more seriously and learning more about it, writing more uh, in the last two or three years. And um, I think like in my the introduction you just did I do I do think one of my favorite things is just like sitting around and talking about poetry and talking about stories and movies um and I think it's just a way for me to learn more about that thing or yeah um also to make a connection with people so I don't I don't know maybe that's why it's just so interesting to me why I like doing it so much yeah Hmm. (laughs) fascinating I like that Well, let's dive into talking about these poems in particular, and then we'll get to a little bit more of your writing um, habits and such. So tell us about these poems. What inspired you to write them, and what part of you went into these pieces? Um, I would say what, what really inspired me is just me, for these specifically, uh, it's just me wanting to explore more of these connections that I have with the people or the things in the poem, yeah. uh, explore that more deeply and appreciate them. Well, other than the dead squirrel one, <laughs> uh, um, I kind of want to say it was kind of an exercise in gratitude. Oh, I like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, Red-Tailed Hawks, um, that was one of the, obviously it's the first one in your series, as you submitted to us anyway. And it's, uh, it's pretty emotional. Um, do you have any additional thoughts you want to share on that one? 
Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I would say that's an interesting word to use because I, I was thinking more about the intimacy of it, yeah. um, a moment about disappearing into another person through intimacy, but also by knowing them intimately. Uh, mm-hmm. I was reading about uh, the hawk, and I I randomly came across the court the courtship rituals of them, and some called what they do a sky dance, mm-hmm. and I do write that in the poem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just loved that, and I wanted to play with that idea in a poem, and that sort of just came, um, became something more, like very different than what I thought. Yeah. Initially. <laughs> than what yeah. you had on in your head when you first started. Yeah. Right. Intimate's a better word than emotional. Yeah, I think you're right. It's more, um, actually, lustful is probably more like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is a bit that way. And I love how you've merged, you know, the humanness and this the, the hawk. You mm. know, you talk about the feathers that, is it plumage? I want to say that that's what it is, or maybe, yeah. I, and mm. I, I just love that, the merging of the two, two different people and animal thing thank you um that it took a while to do that in a way that i i really appreciated or liked it um i was thinking reading that poem again more recently um i was thinking about how if it if you do disappear into a person in a certain way the the way that the poem is turning out it's like these two people are turning into the birds almost yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> not not that I it's that I wrote it that way or anything but like I kind of thought oh that's another way I could have gone with the mm-hmm. poem yes mm-hmm. I think it's really cool the way that you did that though it is it speaks to you on many levels and I love when when a poem does that or any piece of writing does that's good thank you yeah one of my other favorites of your series was the one about your mom. Mm. That one, um, that one might be a little bit more emotional, but the connection between, you know, a mother and daughter and the walking around at night. And I, you know, I just, um, I'm not kind of a late person myself. And so I know my kids are in their room and I'm up here, you know, doing things. And I just, it made me think about my own circumstance. And I'm sure a lot of other readers had the same, you know, relation because someone in, in a family probably is walking around while others are, you know, drifting off to sleep or whatever Mm -hmm. but that seems like it has a very personal connection can you talk about that at all oh yeah um the one the other poem in Sedona is also about my mom too Mm -hmm. um that one is a poem that I started with free writing and I think it was a prompt in my poetry writing group that we did and um I ended up just you know only recently I've been able to write about my mom. She passed away about three years ago mm-hmm. and only recently I've been able to write more and more about her. Mm-hmm. And this was probably one of the poems that I wrote direct, like more directly to her. And then I ended up just keeping it that way. And, um, whereas in Sedona, I'm talking about her in a different way where I'm not really addressing her. I'm talking more about, I guess, like my feelings and like other, other things, but uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one that's just titled Mom, it is like a letter to her. Oh, I love that. And I love the way even um, looking at it on the page, and I'm, I'm looking at it in front of me. I don't know if you did this on purpose, but it's interesting visually. It's narrow at the top and then kind of blossoms out in the middle and then narrows at the bottom. Oh, and yeah. D- did you mean anything by that or is that coincidence? 
No, that is coincidence, actually. <laughs> okay, well, I, I'm I'm reading something into it, it's, and so I like that. I think it's sometimes things happen by accident, and then they can later be. I do this in my writing, where some. So this may be what happened, is I will, I will write, you know, and it'll it'll mean something to me, and someone else will read it, and they'll say, "Oh, I got this out of it," and I'm like, "Wow, I didn't even know that." put that in there you know but I, I love that I love that I did that not even knowing yeah so. that happens a lot I imagine for everyone but yeah I yeah. do really like that I think that's why it's important to share your writing with people because yeah. maybe they'll find something in it that you didn't see before and then you can sort of work on that and put it in there or put it in something yeah. else yeah mm-hmm. you learn something about your own work from somebody yeah. else that's yeah. fascinating I love that <laughs> yeah we all bring our own histories with us too, and then we you know insert them somehow it's amazing into the yeah. stuff we read <laughs> mm-hmm. well um so sociology you want to talk a little about that and how how does that impact your writing if it does at all oh yes um hmm. i think in the ways that it does impact my writing is that i i try to use or i don't know maybe it it doesn't in a way um it probably just sort of describes more of what I like to write about Hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because of sociology the reason why I chose it was just because of the subject being so interesting to me and um, I like writing more about or maybe not writing about it but exploring relationships or connections that I have Um, like I think in all of these poems I didn't realize it is that I do explore a connection in some way mm-hmm. to something, um, even the dead squirrel guzzle. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah and um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if the degree itself has helped me, other than what I learned, how how to do research, um, how to read into things more deeply, be more analytical about those things. So I do use those things that I learned in researching poems, mm-hmm. um, like for the red-tailed hawks poem, the research I did for that. Um, hmm. That's all I can really think of. <laughs> yeah, great. I think it's very interesting that you use the word research for your poems, because a lot of times I think of poetry being uh, very full of emotion. So it's you know kind of pouring yourself onto the page. And I love the idea of you doing research for your poems and kind of comparing, like you did, with your first one, The Red Tail Hawk. So do you do that often with, with your poems, or do you have a mix of kind of one or the other? I think it's a mix, yeah. I, I think if it's something that I don't know much about, but I've wanted to add it into a poem, mm-hmm. I'll do more research on it, um, mm. especially recently where I'm learning more about incorporating symbols like symbolism into Mm -hmm. my poems and um mythology because it just really helps me understand where the poem needs to go or figure out how to explain this thing in a way that not just I would understand yeah um because of certain stories being told over and over again uh, more than a few people will understand that, right? And I and I would want to make that connection with other people, not just because I don't want to just write because it's something that I know. I would want to write something 
and have someone else connect with it too. Yeah. Interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about what, what you mean specifically related to the mythology and symbolism? Oh, yeah. Um, I was actually just reading this book the other day about myths, um, how they're so prevalent in our culture and across like all of human uh, lifespan, <laughs> um, hmm. how, how storytelling is so important and it's been so important to humans. Um, it's helped us understand each other and yeah. natural phenomena. And now, of course, we have science, we have specific ways of observing things and people, but storytelling is still so important. And I think being able to use that in your writing in some kind of way, um, it helps make it interesting and it helps, again, with that connection that I was talking about. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't remember where I'm going with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's what the show's all about. <laughs> yeah. I think it's fascinating how you're weaving different things into your work. And I also, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you say now a couple of times about connection and how it, that is important to you. Um, having a connection between your readers and the writer, you as the author, and, and sharing your words, but also the connection you have, like, through with with your mom and and the loss that you have had with your mom and your dad in a short period of time um you know losing those connections but then rebuilding them in a way through this work and to me whenever you put someone like you wrote this letter to your mom in a poetry you know it was to her it she's kind of coming off the page and it's another connection with her for us all to connect and to establish almost that new and a new relationship, it's still her living on through your work. And I, I, I think of it that way in a lot of ways when I've written things to kind of um, talk about my sister who has passed. And, you know, I've, you're putting them into that and they're, they're almost breathing in, in the work, if, if I may be so wild <laughs> to say such a thing. Yeah, I like that. That's very nice to think about. Um, and I've, I've kind of heard that before from the people in my my poetry writing group when they do read some of the stuff where they say uh you you've added something in here about the person and the the, the poem's not really about them but or you know depending on what it is that I'm writing about and uh it's just like so interesting to be able to read read that in some things and yeah. see small parts of someone in the poem and then but then learn like quite a lot about maybe who they are yeah I like mm. that so you're a part of a writing a poetry group specifically poetry yeah mm -hmm. so tell us about that experience and how you found them and how that's going sure yeah I I found them actually in the beginning of or the middle, maybe the middle of 2020, right as the pandemic started happening, right after the lockdowns happened. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I was actually looking for something as an alternative to therapy. Like I know I didn't really need or yeah, I didn't really need, I couldn't really afford to go to therapy anymore. <laughs> yeah. I had been going for grief counseling um, for my mom, also for my dad, of course, but 
um, after a year of doing that, I felt like in a really good place and I thought, well, maybe I should still keep going. I wasn't really sure. But then the pandemic happened and yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I should go back to therapy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they, um, yeah, things were just very different than the price had increased and um, I just, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. But writing had, has always been something that's been very helpful for me. I've always like had been writing poetry up until then, you know, uh, sort of more seriously during that time. And online, I was just looking for groups, writing groups to meet with mm-hmm. and some way online or, you know, I didn't really care how it was, but I just wanted to like share writing with people or talk about writing. Yeah. And I did go to a few online writing groups and then those just they just didn't stick very well mm-hmm. until I found this one writing group online and they meet every Tuesday and I went to a few of the meetings just to give it a chance and I ended up really really liking the people there and mm-hmm. just the structure of the way that the group is run yeah where yeah. it's almost like a, it's like a they call it a workshop um, where we do like specific things every time we meet Mm-hmm. Um, but I've gone almost every Tuesday since tw- t- like June, May or June 2020. Yeah. Wow. And this last year, 2021, the leader of the group, he said that I only missed three Tuesdays that we met. <laughs> and I was wow. really surprised to hear that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dedication. <laughs> yeah, the commitment. I've made the commitment. <laughs> yeah, you can tell it means something to him, too, the fact that he's keeping track. Yeah, I know. You know I was very surprised. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I've talked before, and I'll, I'm sure I'll say it again, it, it, the importance of having people around you that kind of understand what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, if you're a writer it can be a little bit of a lonely process and you love to share your work and people that don't write love to read your work, but there's a difference in somebody who just enjoys your work for a brief time and somebody who's with you in it, in the trenches going through your work. And, um, it's, it's bolstering and it kind of builds on itself. I I have a, I'm a part of two writing groups and have a smaller writing group that uh, we've gotten really close, kind of similar situation to yours. And I just love these ladies and we share our writing. We don't all write in the same genre, but they have helped me so much. They've, they've helped me through all the processes and then they've become my friends as well. So, Oh, that's really nice. I can't imagine being in two. That seems like a lot of, (laughs) a lot of work, (laughs) but maybe it's very, very nice. Well, do. one's a little little less formal. So, okay. um, well, I guess I shouldn't say a little less formal, but one is a larger group and it's kind of just short snippets of work. The other, my smaller writing group, we're getting in deep into each other's works. Mm. Uh, we're reading the whole length or we're reading like, you know, 4,000 words at a time rather than just a few pages with my other writing group. Both are great helps to me in just different ways. But yeah. um, you talking about your writing group and how they they're working on the same thing you are you know the poetry and you're getting together you're doing it together it's such a great thing to do something and I think that works with not only writing but with anything you're interested in um for people to have to congregate when you have the same interests good to have people that are not the same interests too because I think that's a learning process but okay I'm gonna blabbed on I completely agree no but I completely (laughs) agree with you (laughs) Well, you mentioned earlier about learning 
about um, you know the people in your poems. Did you learn anything about yourself when you write, or with these poems in particular, or when you write, do you learn anything about yourself? I think maybe just in general, I learned, and I think I I probably mentioned it a little bit earlier, but that I realized that I hold my relationships in my life very dear, and. I've sort of centered my life around my relationships and like cultivating meaningful relationships especially and I see that in my poems like I see that with how when I write about it's usually something or someone maybe I'm writing about and I'm doing it for a specific reason and it's usually just to explore my relationship with them. Um, but I guess usually I don't, there's not too many poems right that I have about a specific person. Um, but I, I have noticed I've put my, I mention my mom or my dad and my poems regularly, or mm-hmm. I just have someone special who like, I randomly just put them in a poem and I'm like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Surprising yourself. Yeah. So like my relationships with other people, that's something that I, I've learned that, um, that I learned, I don't know, that is important to me. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. That I guess I hadn't, I hadn't really thought too hard about before. Fascinating. Yeah, it that's is. cool. So that makes me curious you know, people are different. And so some people tend to have a great many or relationships with people, a great many friendships, but they're maybe not deep. Do you tend toward having maybe a fewer people in your life that are more that deeper connection? Yeah, I don't see how you could have deep connections with several different people. Yeah. I think it would be very hard. Um, I do have a few, uh, there's three girls that I grew up with here in Arizona and we've been around each other in some way like living next next to each other very closely and then later when we're older we have the capacity to to travel to each other's homes or meet up somewhere or Mm. talk in some way I don't know we I feel like we're inseparable (laughs) I don't know I don't I don't know like what would happen if one of us moved out of the state or out of the city um, how that would go, but oh. those three girls are maybe like the closest friendships that I've ever had, and the very deep friendships. I like um, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then there's also you know the other special person in my life um, who I made a who I I feel like we're make we're on the verge of making deep connection. We're definitely. I definitely feel that way um, uh-huh. towards them without like saying too much, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And maybe, maybe whoever it is is listening and can s- finish off that deep connection. With yeah. <laughs> they, they know who they are, right? <laughs> yeah. You know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I love that. I love that. Now everybody can imagine the, the deeper connection moving forward. How exciting. What do you like to read? Oh, um, hmm. I, there's a lot of things. Um, there, there is some advice that I heard from other writers is that 
it's important to read a, a varied number of authors and, and genres, um, just yes. things that are unfamiliar to you. So I, I do hmm. like doing that. Not only just because it's something new, but makes me question my beliefs sometimes or what I thought I knew or um, it even shows me something new that I didn't think was maybe not not that it wasn't possible, but like I hadn't ever thought of something like that, like something very creative hmm. usually. But I also do really like reading magical realism a fantasy and horror, but more of like paranormal stuff, especially ghost stories. Oh. Um, and obviously the symbolism. <laughs> I yeah. have I have this book that I reference often when I come across some type of symbol in a story or like a movie, mm-hmm. and um, I like going to that a lot. Um, I also another book that I reference is The Poet's Companion. I really like that book and I'm I'm revisiting that book a lot. Um, it's by Kim Adonizio and um, Dorian Lau. Um, I don't know. I like I like reading graphic novels too. Pretty varied. Yeah. I like getting my hands in a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. I think that makes for varied writing or, you know, rich writing where you have multiple experiences where people are either relating or they're interested to know more. Oh yeah. You know, like, Oh, I didn't know about that. And I like that it's here in this, in this thing that I would normally read and not normally find it there. Mm-hmm. So I like that you're learning something. Mm-hmm. It's right. definitely, uh, it makes rich conversation with people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're definitely in, in reading your background materials. You're, you're a lifelong learner, you know, you just yeah. always exploring. That's true. It. That's good stuff. Yes. <laughs> you know, I wish about- I read more in other fields. I, I'm a little bit more one-minded. <laughs> I mean, I do try to read broadly, but, you know, I'm like, I like ordering the same food all the time. I do, I'm, <laughs> I'm much better at ordering different food than I am at uh, branching out. <laughs> if you really you like read- it, it's yeah. hard. Yeah, it's hard to pick something else. Right, because you know you're going to like it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. You're reading fantasy, right, JW? I do a bit of that. and um, But I do do a lot of reading, obviously, the, from all the submissions we get. So I feel through that, we get I get a quite varied experience. You do, yeah. Oh, that's good. Because we're open to pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which I like so. that concept, because you, you never know what you're going to like. You think yeah. you're right. going to like one thing, and then you get ex- exposed to something else, and you're like, oh. You know? Yeah, yeah it's totally. so fun. Like tease. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Well, okay, so we're at 27 minutes roughly or so into the show, and uh, we try to keep them around 30 minutes. Um, I think we'll probably have time for two more questions. I guess we talked about your reading, and this is one we haven't asked about in a while, but um, this is Melissa's question. Maybe I should let Melissa ask it. Oh, are you referring to the writing quirk? I am referring because to the quirk. It's my favorite. <laughs> okay. I get I get a little bit nervous asking this question because I'm waiting for somebody that's like, yeah, I do the weirdest thing when I write. But okay. So do you have something that you do that is kind of quirky when you write? And if you don't, that's okay. But like, if you don't, I mean, first, if you do, let's, <laughs> let's just harp on it. But if you don't, then what is your like ideal writing atmosphere? Take us on that journey of where you like to write and what surrounds you and are you drinking something? Are you listening to something? Tell us about this. Okay. 
<laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I do. I like that word. And I was I was thinking about this, like if I do have a quirk, but I don't know. I don't know if it really is. Um, I I do like to free write for a while, and then as I go, I turn it. I try to turn it into a poem. And then sometimes when I'm doing the free writing, I, it, it actually helps me figure out where the poem is going. And then when I think I get to a place where I've ended it properly, I go back through it and I like calling it massaging the poem, (laughs) (laughs) which, (laughs) which is me like changing a few words or a line at a time as I read through it, like over and over again. Um, during all this time though, I do need to be alone and I really like having coffee or tea to drink while I do it. Yes. Um, but I'll read it and I'll make several edits, which ends up taking so much time. But I mm-hmm. love doing it. It's probably not something that happens with every poem. I I just like how I get immersed in the writing. I like that yeah. feeling. And when you say free writing, that's you setting down. You don't have a plan. You're just writing whatever comes to your mind yeah right? you yeah usually or if it's something that's bugging me um something that I have like on my mind al- over and over again uh like that dead squirrel <laughs> <laughs> I like to use that as like a good rumination poem sort of where I'm yeah. I'm like just thinking about roadkill and then I I like have to write about it you have so to something- write about it <laughs> Oh, like something like that. Um, I do like finding prompts or in my writing group, they we usually have a list of prompts and we can pick through them. And sometimes I'll keep one or a mixture of a few that I've taken from it and Ooh. then write about that. You know, like when we when we met online one day, I couldn't really go through a few of the prompts that I really liked. So I'll just kind of hold on to them and then maybe I'll be, I'll just be thinking about them and I'll just write about that. Great. I mean, I'd say that all that qualifies for a quirk that by yourself with a yeah. computer, a tea. Massage. I mean, it's pretty moderate. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting a massage. Poems. The poem's getting oh, a yeah. massage. <laughs> I want a much better way to say it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, I'm not an editor. I'm a massager. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then when you say, I'm just going to massage your work, they, they won't think you're strange at all right. when you no. send that back. Great. Uh, good stuff. Well, okay, so we are up to our, our last question of the show here. Um, you know, you, so you're being published now, second place uh, award winner for our contest. And, you know, it sounds like you're relatively new to this. I mean, um, you know, kind of taking it seriously when it comes to the writing and writing of poetry in particular. Um, would you have some writing advice you'd like to share or anything that you have learned that you would have preferred to have known when you started out? Oh, yes. I think the advice that I would want to share is more of just advice I've taken from other writers that I finally started taking seriously. (laughs) 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 And I did mention the reading more widely, you know, reading Mm -hmm. different poets, authors, genres, things you wouldn't normally read, or even... I want to add to that, even watch movies or TV shows that you wouldn't normally watch Mm -hmm. so that you're just opening your mind to different things and um, hopefully finding something new to explore. Um, And I I also really think that leaving your writing alone for a while is helpful, which is another thing 
I've heard other writers say. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, But like maybe the biggest things that have helped me with advice that I've heard is to take breaks, experience life and be mindful, Um, like slow down and pay attention to what you see, hear, Hmm. read, what you physically feel, what you taste, how other people speak, what they say, and then whatever you experience or sense from those things like maybe you can put that in your writing i like that that's terrific yeah yeah really that's good advice aware. from other writers <laughs> yeah well it becomes your advice too you know put yeah. your own flavor on it but i i really like that because and i know we're running out of time here but um to really take an experience and internalize it even like when you said just tasting something um, it reminds me of a scene I have in one of one of the novels that I've written that's just sitting around, um, sadly, that uh, <laughs> asking me to come back to it, but I don't have the time. Anyway, um, you know, where there's there's a scene in, in this novel that they are blindfolded and they're tasting food. And it's like, you know, you're putting everything into just the taste and it heightens your awareness of other things. You know, when you're paying attention to just getting your coffee, the sound of it being poured into your coffee, small things like that can translate into other things in your life where you're really paying attention, you're making it more meaningful. Um, So I like that. I like that a lot. And I think it also adds more to your own life. Like it makes your life more rich. You feel a little bit more engaged in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that it's, it's just so interesting. Like that advice has been so helpful, not just for my writing, but for just general happiness, I think. Yeah. (laughs) That's terrific. Yeah, it really is. Great. Well, Kimberly, thanks so much for submitting your work to our contest. And we're so happy that you were awarded second place. And uh, so happy to have you on the show and get to know you. And I'm sure our listeners will enjoy hearing you as well. So thanks again. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. and I've I've enjoyed talking to both of you. It's been great great fun. Thanks so much. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If so, please help us spread the word by telling your friends or giving us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Those reviews really make a difference. We'd like to thank the folks at Literature & Latte, the makers of Scrivener, for sponsoring the podcast and providing an amazing tool for writers. If you'd like to take your writing to the next level and use a tool designed for writers by writers, then give Scrivener a try. What have you got to lose? The Story Discovery Podcast is a free, narrated podcast of the works that appear in Etched Onyx magazine. Edited by J.W. McAteer, all stories and poems are available for free at onyxpublications.com. That's O-N-Y-X publications.com. If you'd like to support the continuation of this podcast and or the magazine, please consider a small donation through Patreon at patreon.com slash onyx publications as a nano publishing house we are always looking for new works to showcase if you'd like to submit a story or poem for consideration please visit the submissions page on our website in the meantime keep reading and writing